Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we're trying something new. After we check in about all of the happenings over the last week, we're going to talk about a restaurant we went to and something that we watched. So we're going to introduce our monthly review of both restaurants that we've taken out from. Takeout reviews. In this world of COVID. And generally, we'll probably have a film or a television review along with it. Well, since we last recorded, we thought we had the big scoop last week with Trump's taxes. But who knew that we'd have a complete shambolic debate to add to that, plus Trump developing COVID. I can only assume that by the time you listen to this, other fantastic things will have happened in the mm-hmm. meantime. There will be fires in Antarctica. We, we try to keep current, but <laughs> in recording on one day and posting a week later, it does end up being a little bit delayed. How about that debate? What a world, what a world. Yes, that was intense. (laughs) Yeah, I think people, including myself, had PTSD afterwards. Yeah, it was disturbing, but I was glad to hear the follow-up from all the commentators and all the polls that followed up on it and all of that, because I became a total nervous Nelly. I mean, I recognized Trump was being Trump and being belligerent, but I was worried that the force he was showing, even though it was a bullying kind of force, was was overpowering. Powering Biden on a physical level. And just looking at them as fighters, Trump looked strong and Biden looked weak. It's true. He looked like a pugilist. Yeah. And Biden was being bullied. And and I thought, oh, this is not going to be good for Biden because he's going to be perceived as weak. But it turned around because Trump was so out of control. Yeah. And I didn't give the American public enough credit to believe that they would see that he was doing something really psychopathic. Right. And to be turned off by it. Yes, that there would be a negative reaction from people, even on Fox News. Sean Hannity thought he was great and other people thought he was great. But uh, there was still a sense that it was, as Dana Bash on CNN said, a shit show. Yeah, someone else said something like they used three metaphors in one, like a shit show in a train wreck inside of this and that, you know. Dumpster fire. There you go. (laughs) That's the one. That was Jake Tapper. We have the vice presidential debates coming up this Wednesday, and I am not as sanguine as some people because I'm worried that Mike Pence being so passive aggressive will make Kamala look too aggressive. Well, Uh, he's condescending is is what he is. Yes, you're absolutely right. I think she'll be fine with that. I think she'll clean his clock, to tell you the truth. I hope so. I would love to see somebody clean somebody's clock. (laughs) There's a lot of dirty clocks around. (laughs) That's right. That's going to be surreal, though. I mean, with Trump in the hospital, and it's just going to be so weird having that debate. I mean, just the fact that it's happening is strange. It might not happen. There's so much disinformation coming out of the Trump world. And there was an admission by the doctor even that he didn't want to present it as dire as Mm -hmm. Trump's condition was. The doctor is as big a liar as Trump. He's a total liar. And Mark Meadows was the only one telling the truth and he practically got fired for it. Oh, and that was so offensive to have that battery of 10 
white lab coated doctors like a military force. And someone pointed out, I thought was pretty important. There you have Trump with not one, but 10 doctors tending to his every health detail. Yes. Trump, who wants to take health care away from everybody else. From everybody. It's, it's criminal. And why did the doctors agree to it? Why did they allow themselves to be used as props in the Trump campaign? I think I'm that angry. the Trump force is, as we've learned, hard to keep at bay. The force of it is overwhelming. As and a doctor, can't you just say, I'm it. sorry, I'm not going to participate in a campaign event? I don't know, because Walter Reed is a military hospital. And oh, and he's commander-in-chief. Commander-in-chief. Oh, so, well, maybe that's it. Maybe they ha they're under orders to do what he says. Oh, my God, that's so perverted. All of those doctors, I think, should be disciplined in some way. revoked. Something. Yes. I mean, and his doctor is an osteopath, which is kind of strange, too. That is strange. An osteopath is not a medical doctor. They're like chiropractors. Something like that. And the idea also that they're saying, well, he's going home tomorrow and he's out of the woods. And you don't know with COVID. I know someone who had it who said it's a roller coaster ride. You think they, I, they also say week two is usually much worse than week one. Yeah, because after the 10th day is when you really start showing symptoms. So we don't know what's going to happen in the intervening week when people listen to this, but he could have taken a turn for the worse. I'm nervous that Joe Biden, because even if he was 15 feet away, he was in the spray. The aerosol can yes. travel. Yes. Very far. And for a whole 90 minute period. I know I'm nervous yeah. about that too. Because it manifests between two and 15 days. 15 days. Oh God, I can't yeah. hang in that long. I know. I'm so sick of it. But you know, it's 30 days to go. I Maybe know. 29 almost. I know. So, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I... It's like doing a treadmill or something where you're trying to get to a certain point of miles and you, you just think, oh, I don't know if I can keep running that much longer, but I'm going to try. I remember hearing that we had, it must have been yesterday, October 3rd, that it was exactly a month until, not four weeks, but a month. And I remember thinking, wow, we've lived through four years of this. I know. We've lived through almost four years. I and remember know. the day after we thought, how are we going to exist? Right for four years right. and we didn't even think it could be as bad right. as it's been yeah it was so much more of a shit show than we could even imagine yes and continues and, to be and continues to be yeah continues to be more shitastic than <laughs> <laughs> than every iteration of it <laughs> is worse everything that happens is worse than the last thing that happened yeah I mean, the debate was worse than taxes. The COVID is worse than the debate. It just goes on and on. And we do have another month of this. Mm -hmm. We have another mm -hmm. month of the Trump show. Yeah. And by the way, I don't believe that Joe Biden getting elected is going to cure the Trump virus. I think the Trump virus is going to be with us for a long time and that it is going to be the source of violence. violence. I, don't mean the, I don't mean the coronavirus. I mean the virus that is- Oh, the Trump Trumpism? Yes. Oh, well, I was telling you yesterday, that there, an article I read from a woman that lived in Sri Lanka when it went from democracy to dictatorship. She said, look, we're already past the point of no return, that we're in much worse shape than we realize. And she said she went through this and she says, here's what you do when your country's falling into dictatorship. You do everything you normally do. You call your friends, you go to dinner, you go to movies, everything looks totally normal. And 
you don't even notice that this thing is slipping away. I think that applies because we live in California and because our reality is not being swamped by Trump pen signs. Right. When my oldest was in Florida, all they saw were boats festooned with Trump Pence signs. I mean, mm-hmm. that's solidly on people's lawns. Any vehicle festooned with flags and bumper stickers and anything you can imagine that said Trump Pence on it or make America great again or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever slogan. At least my daughters had Obama for the beginnings of their political awareness and they know that this isn't normal. Well, should we go on to our reviews? Yes, let's move along. Shrimp Lover is a place that we used to go to when it was not COVID times, in the in the before times, as right. I've heard it referred to. <laughs> and having takeout was not quite the same, but Eyes it was going. still very mm-hmm. festive. Yep. Shrimp Lovers, for those who don't know, it's the Shrimp Lover is the actual name of the place. I keep getting it wrong. It's a place where you order by the pound of seafood. So you can order a pound of crab's legs or a pound of shrimp or mm-hmm. a pound of... Mussels or clams or any clams kind of shellfish. Or, and I'm not sure that all of them get the same treatment, but they're basically boiled in oil that's flavored. When they bring it to your table, they just drop this cellophane bag, bag full of <laughs> shrimp and sauce and whatever else you might have ordered. If you ordered corn on the cob, they throw that into the bag. It's great. It's and really you get, fun. A whole roll of paper towels. And a bib. And a bib, because you will need them. Yeah. very, very messy. Now, I've also heard that they don't have a lock on this particular way of serving seafood, Mm -hmm. because Catherine had heard of it. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's like pho or something like that. Right. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing, but it's a- I think a there ri- are other shrimp lovers around the LA area too. I think there's one in Manhattan Beach or something. Yes, there are. Those are the same company. I well, got- it is fun to go in person because it's it's in a it little bit seedier part of Hollywood, but it's kind of fun seedy, you know, on Normandy and Hollywood. It's very and fun seedy. It's not scary seedy. It's just right on the edge of being a little, like if you eat on the balcony next to the sidewalk, you are taking a little risk because- Yes, it's true. Know, who's going to come <laughs> along come and by. maybe harangue you for God knows what reason. And but. the outdoor seating is extremely festive. It has lights on and it's very sort of Polynesian mm-hmm. feeling. And they just it's, do a great job. And yeah. the, the wait staff there is incredibly nice. They They're are. Really They're super nice. It's a Thai thing. I think the Thai people are really into that friendly demeanor. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overgeneralizing. So. I never saw it as a Thai restaurant, but this time I did because I had to really look at the menu to order from my home. And they have a lot of Thai dishes. Do they? It's, yeah, and they have Thai iced tea and that kind of thing. So it, it's nominally a Thai restaurant, but the real focus is on these bags of shellfish. And I got the chef special, which was fried in some kind of batter with salt on it. It was mm-hmm. absolutely exquisite. Yeah. I saved some shrimp and had them with a salad today. And oh, that's that was great. my it was dinner. Kind of like garlic was... sauce or something. Yes, it was very garlicky. <laughs> the shrimp that comes in the bag tends to be oily, which is why you need all the paper towels. The ones that I got are fried. So that was a little different. It More was a manageable. little manageable. Yes. And you got yours with the shells taken off, which I yes, didn't know. I, the whole fun of the whole experience for me when you go to the restaurant is you get your bag of shrimp. And then the reason you get so covered in stuff and you need all this protection <laughs> is because I like to peel the shrimp before I eat them. But I'm learning that many people don't go through that. They just eat them with
with the shell on. And so I'm trying to become a little more adventurous and eat them with the shell on. But we learned last night that if you ask them for $2, they will shell all of the shrimp for you. So that's what I had. Which was a beautiful thing. Now, what did you think? Was it worth the $2? For me, it was. I really like them without the shell. And especially, it's time consuming to peel them and eat them. But when you go to the restaurant, it's kind of fun. But since we did it at your house, I was happy to just have them and just be able to pick them up. With masks and socially distanced. Yes, of course. And I branched out. I didn't get the original sauce. I got the Indian curry and it was very good. As I said last night, I'm sort of a one trick pony when it comes to that stuff. When I find something that I like, I just stick with it. So I've gone with the original sauce every single time. And then we had the ice cream (gasps) macaroons. Those were fantastic. Those are amazing. You like yours? What was, what, what flavor? Mine was coconut. Mine was chocolate with the little Mm -hmm. pink macaroons. Definitely go into the back where the freezer is. If you go to Shrimp Lover, you must get. The, Get the macaroons, says dessert. The macaroon ice cream sandwich. Yes. Oh, man, those are awesome. It was the perfect end to a perfect meal. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. we watched The Boys in the Band. Yes, The New Boys in the Band on Netflix. It takes place in 19, I believe it was 1968, which is when the original play came out. And all of the technology and the cars, the few cars that you see, Mm -hmm. and the style of men's clothing was from that era. And it's very, very nostalgic, especially seeing someone pick up and dial a phone, not with a punch pad, but with an actual dial. dial. Just the sound of it Mm -hmm. really takes you back. Even the opening scene is a guy that's rushing into his apartment because the phone is ringing and he doesn't want to miss the call. And it's like, oh, we don't do that anymore. We don't have to worry about missing a call. I mean, you might because you can't fumble for the phone fast enough. Right. And a missed call isn't a deal anymore because if you miss it, you just dial it right back. You You also know know who called. That's right. And just for myself, for the first act, I was completely with it. Yep. Completely. Same it here. all flowed. It's very talky. It is a play. It's mm-hmm. a Broadway play. And they didn't adapt it for the filming of it, except they did have a couple of flashbacks. Right. But other than that, it was really the staged play. So there's a lot of language to get through. We fortunately had the subtitles on. So that helped in certain moments. Mm-hmm. But there's one performance, I'll say it's Jim Parsons' performance for me that fell flat. Now, not to give too much away, but I just wasn't privy to the moment where the turn started happening. There was a moment when someone criticized someone for being effeminate. And I think that that's when it was supposed to happen, but it, it lagged for me. It didn't really kick in until much later. So the second act is very theatrical and doesn't quite hold up the same way that the first act does. It really doesn't age well. It's not like they could make it contemporary because there's certain values that just aren't the case anymore. People aren't in the closet the way that they were. There is an acceptance of gay men and women and gender fluid people that is just seismically different than it was in 1968. And AIDS has come and gone. I mean, mm-hmm. AIDS has come and it hasn't gone, but AIDS has affected us since, right. since 1980, I guess, is when it really started. Yeah. So we've had that. We've had gay marriage since then. Things have changed. And the, the play really is a snapshot of that time. 
I thought the same exactly. The second half didn't work for me at all because I remember the first movie and I didn't get a sense of the pain that the characters were in, particularly the Jim Parsons character. The words were there, these venomous words, but there wasn't the affect and emotional content underneath them. And I, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, well, maybe people just can't get it anymore of what it was like. But, you know, I don't think that's a valid excuse because no. we have movies about slavery that are very compelling. Yes. And yet we know slavery is wrong. Yes. Where back 200 years ago, that wasn't the case. So I think it's a failure of actors and director to get to the rage that was simmering in those characters that was fueled by the self-hatred, that was fueled by the way the culture dismissed and yes. denigrated them. Yes. And I think somehow, for some reason, those actors either weren't capable of it or the director didn't stress it enough to, to get to the dark underbelly of what yeah. those characters were going through. Yeah, I think as soon as it was over, you said you didn't feel the rage. Yes. It needed to be the underpinnings of that second act. Yes. And yes. also fueled by alcohol. And, yes, that too. And the alcoholism was a way to try to self-medicate against yes. that self-directed rage that gay right. people felt. Yes. And yet I was aware that there was alcohol, but I wasn't aware that it was the gas on the flame. Right. That it should have been. In the way they portrayed it. Yes. Yeah. It should have been oh no, don't take another drink. I should have been aware that there was so much that was coming out because there was this relaxing of right. forms. Yeah, I don't. I think it warm. missed. I think this film, it's fun to watch it just because, as you said, just on the level of the language, it's written so crisply and with such interesting dialogue. Yes. And, the, and each character and wit, and each character really does have an identifiable way of speaking and phrasing things. And I think what would be fun is to watch it and then right away watch the original. Yeah, I was tempted to watch the original again too, yeah. because one thing that was said about, I, I mentioned this last night, one thing that was said about Leonard Frey, or Fry, I'm not, Fry. I don't remember Fry, Leonard Fry, was that his portrayal of Harold was one of the great performances on mm -hmm. film. And that made me want to go back and watch it again. And I do remember thinking how amazing that actor was. Mm -hmm. And also thinking that Cliff Gorman, was that his name? Yeah. Was remarkable. I'd like to look back and see if anyone was nominated for Yeah. I remember, you know, at the end, the main character, he's going to, yeah, Michael, everything's, the, this party's just turned into a, a nightmare. And then it's over more or less. And he says, I'm going to go to St. Malachy's and go to mass. And I remember in the original, when he says that, it's like, yeah, I get it. You would want to go somewhere, even somewhere. though you're going to the Catholic church that totally doesn't accept you. <laughs> it was kind of chilling in the original. Yes. It's like, shoot, yeah. this has been a, a night where the characters were forced into such emotional rawness that they're going to yeah. need a lot of time to recover. Yeah. And you just didn't sense it this time. No, It was just some guys getting bitchy with each other. Yeah. yeah. My, Eviscerated. My, that's the word. My, that's my memory of it was that saying, Christ, was I drunk last night? That feeling of guilt and shame and mm -hmm. regret and how Michael just wanted some absolution from it. And that didn't read at all because the last shot is one of the characters sort of running under a a bridge and it's almost lighthearted in a way that didn't feel appropriate for the emotional baggage that was or wreckage I should say that was caused by the that's right I by the party about that 
little scene right there. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, um, too easy. The uh, Hustler was good. He was because, great. And he doesn't have to show that. It, the whole point of his character is he has no emotional depth. And, you know, it occurs to me that the interrogation of that character, Michael attacking that character, was how that started to spin out of control. And I kept thinking, why is he attacking this nice young man who's so simple and innocent? Oh, and because he had everything Michael didn't have. Didn't have, exactly. But it didn't resonate for me. It, it didn't just, register, oh, yes. Yeah. The, the, the yes, pain. There's, exactly. The undercurrents didn't come through. And yeah. if anything, I was thinking, well, Harold would be the one. He's got such a complex about his right. uh, physical appearance. He would be the one to feel off-put by this gorgeous mm -hmm. man. And right yet he was completely accepting of him. That was what was also strange about it. What I got this time that I hadn't gotten before was that Harold's yeah. actually the better person of the two of them between Michael and Harold because Harold in his own way accepts who he is. Very much so. It's, an, it's interesting because he is presented as sort of the most fucked up, but you see that he's actually, he's aware. Yes, you know? he's aware. He says to Michael that fabulous speech at the end and he says you're a pathetic man you're a homosexual and you don't want to be and it's right. all that's the whole play right there but even as he comes in it's interesting because i used to think that this was a sign of someone who was really messed up he said what i am michael is a pockmarked jew fairy jew fairy yeah. yes but in reality that was part of his awareness yes a few hours to be able to face the world that's no one's business but my own and that's right. really a character being able to accept their own yeah. flaws and foibles yeah. well all in all I would say it's worth watching with a caveat that maybe the first act is enough to watch the stakes do we talk about stakes the stakes yeah. didn't seem high enough yeah at the end so if you're feeling like there's something that you want to know about it, you might just want to read the review and not have to sit through it. But yeah. it's still, if you've never seen it before, then still, there, I think there's some Oh, it's fun. There. Yeah, as a historical piece, it's good. But you may not experience the kind of catharsis that you would in seeing the first one. Something we forgot to mention, this is the Broadway cast of all gay men. And there's one straight character. In, well, but... that actor is probably gay because the character was gay. He was just in denial. Is that right? Totally. Don't you think? I think. Well, oh. I mean, they leave some ambiguity, but so maybe it's a question of what you choose to read into it. But Oh, anyway, it, we've now talked for an hour, so it's there time for us to say goodbye to our boomer friends. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see what this week brings. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be behind the eight ball, but we will check in with you in a week. Stay Holy safe. Holy smokes. Bye, boomers. <laughs> Bye. Take care. So long. I, I